Welcome to the first ever episode of Sidewalk Skyline. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and I've lived most of my life in Canadian cities. Well, at least in Ontario cities. In this podcast, we're going to feature men and women from across Canada doing some extraordinary work in the places they live. So where am I from? I live in Windsor, Ontario, where the church I planted is celebrating 26 years of loving our neighbors, especially those living on the margins of society. Today's pilot episode is an interview with Roger Fordham, director of Feeding Windsor. If I didn't have the privilege of working alongside Roger, I would still think this is a great place to start our investigation of what God is up to in Canadian cities. In five years, this outreach has had a meteoric rise to 200,000 meal servings for the upcoming year. You're going to hear how a small church can partner with others to make a large dent in the city through hospitality. Let's go right to my interview now with Roger Fordham, director of Feeding Windsor. So Roger, tell me about how you ended up in Windsor. Uh, you, you went from being primarily uh, a businessman to a bit of a social work maven. <laughs> and uh, so your work history before you began into more of a, a social focus. Uh, tell us about that. Well, I, I had a pretty broad basic experience. I did some sales work and sales training for about 10 years and have owned different businesses over the years. But um, almost about 30 years ago now, I came to Windsor and I uh, had been operating a blues bar down in the Kitchener area. Mm-hmm. And uh, just... Uh, what was it called? I popped the gator. Okay. And um, so I... I, I just uh, had gone through a divorce, and my wife and son had moved back to Windsor. I wasn't seeing my son, and I, I just realized I w- didn't have much chance of a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Weekends were always my busiest time, and and it was one of those days where I just had enough of the bar business and yeah. uh, had a chance to go, and I, I came back to Windsor, and, uh, and then I just started working here, just regular cooking jobs and different things like that. And uh, you know, over time, over the years here, I've had businesses off and on, and and then about ten years ago, I, I it took a, I answered an ad at the for the downtown mission as a food supervisor, and that's kind of when everything took a crazy turn. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you began to look at how your work could have an effect on improving people's lives. Is that? Well, I, I guess that that's, would be the nice way of saying it, but the reality is that it really took me down a road of really self-analyzing because I was kind of up the, you know, I was kind of born and raised and, and of the belief that, you know, people just need to try harder or pull up their socks and, you know, the, I'm nothing special and I work 12 hours a day and I can make it work. Everyone could. Why can't anybody else? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, really, I just, didn't, I just was ignorant. I just didn't know mm-hmm. any better. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. I, I was really geared. I, I don't even know why I was looking in the paper that day. I was already working, and uh, I seen an ad for the downtown mission, and I put a resume in. Like, and uh, and and they never called me for about two weeks, so I couldn't believe they didn't call me. And I actually called them and said, you know, well, I, I'm I'm thinking of going working somewhere else, and they, and uh, very uh, 
Furlonger said, uh, no, no, come on in. We want to have an interview with you. <laughs> and I ended up working there. And um, it was in those times, like, well, several things, you know, one of the huge things that I got to do as a food supervisor was almost every day I worked with a different group of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to talk about poverty and We'd, we'd be making a meal. We were feeding about 200, 225 people for lunch. And one day it'd be students. Another day it'd be lawyers. Another day it'd be union workers. Another day it'd be teachers. So I really got to see a, a whole cross-section of the community. And over the years, it, it just um, made me realize that all the things I thought were black and white is like really everything's gray. Mm. And uh, every... You know, it, it just isn't pull up your socks, and it just isn't you can do better. Or uh, the, the reality is, some people just don't have the opportunity, and some people prosper, and some people fail. Sometimes simply by where God put them when they were born. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it it really made me look at things and try to understand poverty from a different lens. And uh, that took me the 10, 11 years now that <laughs> yeah. that's uh, gone by, yeah. yeah. So about five years ago, uh, you uh, left the, the job at the downtown mission as, right. as uh, you were the main... And the food supervisor. Food yep, supervisor. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, you began uh, something at a, a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. down the street from the mission... St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, right. and you began what has become Feeding Windsor. Right. Talk to me about how how you made that transition to over to to St. Andrew's. How did how did that happen? And uh, Ron Sharp, who was was the pastor at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so talk about uh, just the the odd series of events that led to the beginnings of Feeding Windsor? Well, two, two uh, parishioners of uh, St. Andrew's, uh, John Buttons and, and Sarah, um, were doing a food ministry at uh, St. Andrew's and was at an, near the end of what they could do with that ministry. They, they were running on volunteers. They were running on short money. And... Uh, they had came down to see what I could do at the downtown mission to, to help them. Is there anything I could do to, to help support them? And <laughs> about a week later, I realized, yeah, you know what? I'm going to you know walk down there and talk to them. That's what I'm going to do. And I left the mission, and, and I went down and talked to them, and, and I thought I'm going to talk to uh, Reverend Sharp and see if there was a way I could use the kitchen, and we just start feeding people in the downtown core. And he was actually away at the time uh, on a on a prayer uh, retreat. And when he got back, I, they arranged a meeting with me. And I, it was funny because I, I just walked in his office, never met him before. He didn't know me from, you know, anybody. And uh, sat at his desk and told him what, what, what I felt I wanted to do. And he says, well, I have to meet with my wardens. And I actually have a meeting tomorrow, which was a Thursday. And the wardens are like a, the board of directors for a, a Presbyterian church. He called me back Friday. He says, yeah, come, you know, pick up the keys. We'll give you the alarm code and off you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't believe how easy it was, you know, like, you know. And uh, so I just started uh, buying groceries and going in and cooking a meal on Tuesday and giving it away and coming back on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) So some more bags of groceries, cooking a meal and giving it away. And we were feeding about uh, 
75, sometimes as high as 100 people a, a meal. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how good that was for a plan for, sustain, for sustainability, but it was the best plan I had. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. And gradually people would come and say, hey, you're here on Tuesdays. You know, do you mind if I drop by and give you a hand? And next thing I knew, I had four or five volunteers helping putting the meal on. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, once in a while someone would say, here's a, a grocery card. You know, when you go grocery shopping, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they start mm-hmm. like that. And we, we decided to call it the Community Meals Project because just to give it a try, and uh, we recruited Ambassador Baptist Church in also, and they mm-hmm. did the Wednesdays, and those were the two main community partners right from day one. And uh, both churches, although St Andrews closed about a year a year later, the the group that bought the, the congregation that bought that church continued on with the feeding Windsor meal there. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they, they they've been in since day one. So. The uh, the closing of St. Andrews was uh, unique, and that's kind of where we began to connect and mm-hmm. what brought mm-hmm. us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Song Church had a history of doing uh, something similar, a community meal and lunch program, right. breakfast program, uh, done things like that for about 20 years. And uh, so we had some conversations saying, what's happening to Feeding Windsor? Right. when St. Andrew's closes right. and, uh, you know, the, the steps were ordered that, uh, that you came and brought Feeding Windsor as an outreach ministry under the banner of, of New Song Church. Right. And, and we, we believed in what you were doing so much that we said, let's take your brand name that you were creating, Feeding mm-hmm. Windsor, mm-hmm. and let that also describe what we're doing right. here. And uh, so that there would be a, a continuity about what we were doing. So right. in, in, over, over a five-year period, by the way, uh, anybody listening to this podcast, if you uh, go on the web to feedingwindsor.ca, mm-hmm. uh, you can get a great uh, overview of, of the different kind of activities that Feeding Windsor is doing, uh, as well as uh, you can donate online. Um, so let's talk about some of the activities of Feeding Windsor. And, uh, but before we get into that, I just want you to grind your axe a little bit. <laughs> and uh, we've had some conversations about poverty in Canada. Right. Why do we have poverty in Canada, Roger? <laughs> what, what's going on? Well, that's something I really looked into because it, it kind of fascinated me that, you know, if you measure us by uh, GDP, we're the 12th largest economy in the world. If you use PPP ratios uh, or methodology, then we're the 17th largest country in the world. What PPP? Is uh, uh, purchase power parity. Mm. So that comes out with a different gross. In our, in our case, it's a rare where it is very similar. It's, you know, yeah. like uh, $16 billion dollars. GDP at seventeen point three billion dollar or trillion dollar economy if it's PPP, yeah. but um, yeah. a lot of countries there's a lot of uh, separation there. Um, so we, we we do very well. We do very well. We're in the yeah. top ten percent of the countries in the world, and so it fascinated me that um, capitalist society is one of the things we usually can do well is money things. Mm-hmm. So then it made me realize that. So then if we could fix this problem, then obviously we have it because we're willing to accept it. Mm. 
and it's at, we keep it at a level that we're willing to accept. If people were dying of hunger on the streets and children were walking around with bloated bellies and, and crying, you know, we, we, there isn't a Canadian that would accept that. Hmm. But we will accept that one out of seven people live in poverty in this country. Right. And if you're a native uh, Canadian or if you're a single mom, uh, parented a family, or if you're um, maybe living with a disability, that you might be 26, 35, 45% mm-hmm. of living in poverty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that really kind of made me think. And, you know, because, I, you know, all the values that we hold as Canadians are something that everywhere in the world looks at Canada and, and, and looks at us because of our values and because of who we are. But those values are only important and really values if all Canadians have those, yeah. those things. Yeah. So, and if you don't value your values, at some point they become valueless. Mm. You know, so I, I, I thought that's kind of not a badge of honor that Canada carries because I understand if you're, why the Sudan has poverty. Mm-hmm. I understand why, uh, uh, you know, some South American countries that have earthquakes every year and and, and, and are ran by uh, regimes have poverty. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Canada has poverty, you know. So. It's a, I think that's a great point that you make. And, uh, you know, we uh, sometimes uh, we, we like as Canadians maybe to see ourselves as the good guys mm-hmm. in the globe. And, and yet we can turn a blind eye to the beggar at our gate. Right. Well, and I, I think we just don't realize the burden that having poverty in our country um, causes. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I believe it was something like 32 to $38 billion last year was spent on issues of poverty. Yeah. And that's not even quantifying in the damage that, you know, the people not paying into CPP, the people, the lost uh, income that's been mm-hmm. not got, mm-hmm. the, the smaller marketplace because of the lack of cash flow being put into the economy by people working and engaged in there. You know, we're, we're the second largest con- country landmass in the world, mm-hmm. and we have a very small population. Mm-hmm. So it's never made sense to me as how we are going to be sustainable. We're a young country, so we, can, we can't say, well, we got it by, well, we've been around for 150 you know, years, right? Right. So um, I don't know how it's sustainable to have this m- many people in your population disengaged. So, you know, from, from even if you're just totally selfish and don't care about your brother, it still makes better sense <laughs> to deal with this issue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But... It is what it is. And, and I realized early in the game that, you know, you can fill stadiums with, with people that are smarter than me. So right. I wasn't going to be the guy that's going to create the systemic change that's going to solve poverty in this country. But I can probably change my side of the street. Mm-hmm. So feeding Windsor kind of comes out of that mentality is that, you know, what? We're just trying to change our side of the street. Right. So let's talk about feeding Windsor. And, and there's uh, uh, several... Uh, aspects or programs mm-hmm. under under the the banner and uh you know the first one i want to talk about is community meals okay. so um 
local churches, uh, New Song Church, uh, Throne of Grace, uh, Ambassador Baptist, mm -hmm. three churches that are holding community meals. What's a community meal? What's the purpose of it? Well, community meal, uh, all, all Feeding Windsor's programs is designed on dealing with issues of food uh, insecurity mm -hmm. and social isolation. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of a common thread in everything that we do. And um, with the community meals, um, one thing at the mission, what would happen is everyone goes to the downtown mission and they, they would have, uh, you know, 200 people, 225 people would sit and have a meal at, at noon hour. So usually there was very few children there because kids would be at school. Um, so I, I wanted to do something in the evening. I wanted to be able to, a single mom or the working poor or senior couldn't come down and have supper. They're free meals. Mm -hmm. The churches provide hospitality and, and a location. Mm -hmm. We serve the people in their neighborhood, mm -hmm. and that's what we want to do is we want them to go to the church. And, you know, what happens is the teachers from the school come over and serve one night. The firefighters from the fire hall down the road come in and serve yep. another night. Uh, the people in the local business or the hospital come over and serve another night. Yeah. And, and it connects people to who they see at the variety store, at the grocery store, on the street. Yeah. And uh, what we know about people is when you know each other, you tend to treat people better yeah. you, than you do strangers. And the other thing we know is that we automatically look for how we're different. When we spend time together, and breaking bread is a great way to spend time together, mm -hmm we find how we're common. That's right. And through the community meals, that's that the trust is built, the, um, the friendships are built, the, the talks can happen at the table, mm -hmm. and they're, they're just a great part of building community in, in those neighborhoods that we're in. That, uh, the other thing is, is for the church is to put it on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not about the walk of the people that come in the door. It's the walk of the people that are already there. And it's for the church congregation to practice their faith mm -hmm. of loving their neighbor, of feeding yeah. the poor, helping the elderly. And, and this is their time, you know. Yeah. This is no more sparring. Yeah. This is time to, you know, walk away from the heavy bag, and now it's time to fight. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's what we want to see. It's not about, and, and you know, people say, oh, uh, uh, often about, you know, I don't see the work that I do as being, as charitable as a lot of other people give me credit for, because it, it's, I, I see it as quite selfish. It, it's about my walk. Mm -hmm. It's Feeding Windsor is reflective of who I want to be in the community. Mm -hmm. It's about my growth. I don't own the person that comes in the door. I only own my side of it. Right. So I, that's what I expect from the churches, too, is this is time to practice your side of it. Uh, then we have another aspect, uh, lunch clubs. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what what's what's a lunch club and where where are they located? Lunch clubs are um, kind of a food empowerment kind of thing. We are food participation kind of thing. It's for people. People make a conscious decision to have a, a cell phone. You make a conscious decision to have cable TV, and you need to make a conscious decision to have to invest in your own food security. You know, you you can be wherever you are in life. That's that's nothing wrong with that. But you need to be a participant. Mm -hmm. You need to be. You just can't let life happen to you. In, in, in whatever way you can, you need to be able to participate. So this gives people the chance to take part in a lunch club. They're done in mostly CHC buildings, which is community housing buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, we're at 920 Olat, 
2455 Rivard, uh, 1081 uh, Campbell, the cottages on Campbell. Mm -hmm. And we also have a neighborhood, one here at New Song Church. Mm -hmm. And people pay $25 a month. They get lunch Monday to Friday, four days. So they get 20 lunches, sometimes 21 lunches for $25. A and a deal. lunch, yeah, and a lunch yeah. com means that uh, you know you, you, it, may, it may be soup, salad, sandwich, dessert, coffee, and tea. It costs you about a dollar eighty, dollar ninety for a medium coffee now at McDonald's. So you know it, it, it gives people a higher quality of food. It brings people out, of, and and they they come in. They can we're open from eleven thirty to one o'clock, so they can come and visit with their neighbors. It helps people to move around their building a little bit and take a little more ownership in their building. It puts power in the hands of the people to make their decision about mm -hmm. how to be frugal and wise with the little resource that they right. have. Right. Yeah. The uh, emergency housing diner and the social enterprise that's right. running out of that. Tell us that story. Well, we're, as a diner, just, you know, breakfast and lunch kind of menu. And uh, the idea was uh, we, we were, uh, had the opportunity to partner with uh, the city emergency shelter plan uh, and uh, provide meals for anywhere from 60 to 90 families, so from 180 to 270 meals a day for people that are homeless in, mm -hmm. in the community, families that are homeless primarily mm -hmm. um, in the community. So uh, we took that on and fulfilled that agreement with the city, but we've taken the other part of the restaurant and opened it up as a diner to the public. So you can come in after church, you can come in, we're open from 7 o'clock in the morning till 2.30, 8 till 2.30 on the weekends. It's on Howard, a very busy street. People can come in, get a great lunch, a Reuben sandwich, a, a burger and fries, or, you know, simple diner food. Yeah. But uh, all the proceeds, it's a social enterprise, all the proceeds uh, that comes in through the right. doors goes right back into the community. And, and the diner is attached to a motel right. that the city contracts with to provide emergency that's, housing. That's right. that's right. The food club store, what's that? The food club is kind of what a food bank isn't. You know, food banks commonly get all the same items. When if you go to any food bank, if one has... Kellogg's and soup, the other ones have Kellogg's and soups. And what they might not have is school lunches, or they might not have, uh, well, they wouldn't have cheese, for example, probably, or meats or frozen products. Uh, they might not have uh, uh, any perishable goods, uh, well, might maybe produce or something, but not anything other than what everybody has. Mm -hmm. So we are ran like a small market that has the things you won't find in the food bank. So mm -hmm. we, we might have frozen meat, uh, we have cheeses, lunch meat, bacon, pierogies, uh, frozen dinners, vegetables. And what it's designed to do is you pay $25 for a membership, you immediately get 50 trade dollars to shop in the store. Our prices are based on um, the low end, like it would be like a no frills or a food basics kind of pricing. Mm -hmm. So bacon might be $5. But you're only two fifty deep, right. so even from the best price, you're already saving. Mm. And uh, two things happen uh, when people are on short uh, food budget; they tend to go to the convenience store in their area, buy five, ten dollars worth of groceries at the time, pay a premium price instead of a sale price. So they already knock down the buying power. Mm -hmm. 
And this way, it just reverses that. And right. people get an immediate benefit for making a decision. You know, in North America, we're all trained to, you know, expect immediate rewards for, for our efforts. So, you know, by, by people doing something and immediately seeing the benefit of it, it encourages them to make those kind of choices more often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the pet food bank, what in the world is that? <laughs> well, that is just that, pet food bank. And, and people would say, well, why are we in that? Well, it's an extension of our isolation, you know, um, program, trying to get people not to be so socially isolated. Your pet, if you're a senior, if you're a young child, if you have mental health issues, can be such a, uh, a comfort, such a tool uh, for your, your peace of mind and for your, your calm. Mm -hmm. And often people are faced with, I, I heard so many times, though, I went to the food bank and, you know, I cook up the macaroni and I throw the vegetable soup over it and I feed it to my dog. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was at the mission, you know, people in the, in the sanctuary program, I would see them stay outside and sleep with their dog because they couldn't bring the dog in the mission. So um, uh, my, my fiance Janine always had a passion for animals and wanted to do a, a, a pet food bank and we, we got a generous donation from a donor to open one and, in her honor. And uh, they, um, oddly enough, I, I thought, well, you know what, if we get 20 people a day or yeah, 20 people a week, I mean, that's going to be amazing. Uh, we we supply food for about 300 animals a month. Wow. Yeah, and uh, more tears are sh shed in that room <laughs> than probably any <laughs> other program we do. <laughs> so from all of these activities that you describe, uh, it would be easy to have, you know, a, uh, a, a budget of, that would require millions of dollars to be able to do all of this kind of work. Yeah. Uh, but there's something very special and unique about our relationship yeah. with Feeding Windsor being uh, an outreach of, of New Song Church. Right. There's a certain kind of synergy. Mm -hmm. There's a cer certain kind of um, infrastructure provision, things like that. Talk to me about some of the things that you're discovering about what the synergies that happen when social work and church work uh, intertwine? Right. Well, and and you know, I, I realized over my time, you know, not every church is the same. You no. know, uh, every every church had the congregation sets. I guess the vision of that church, and some are learning churches. You know, the, where the, the lesson of the Bible and the word of the Bible is what's important to learn. And then there's churches that are pastoring churches that are happy to be the hands and feet of God and, mm -hmm. and Lord and, and do, do the work that way. And, and mm -hmm. you know, worship happens in both churches. Mm -hmm. You know, worship's worship. Mm -hmm. But how they honor those words can be different. Right. So our partners tend to be pastoring churches, mm -hmm. churches that want to do church outside the walls, want mm -hmm. to reach out to the community, to the neighborhood. And those are where we thrive, you know, and I think yeah. that's where the church thrives of us. Um, there's infrastructure out there, unused infrastructure in many cases, you know, for probably 100 hours, 168 hours that yeah. the week brings. Yeah. So I, I always thought that I don't want donor dollars going to, you know, building infrastructure when there's a uh, uh, an abundance of 
infrastructure empty. So that was mm -hmm. one of the reasons mm -hmm. why to reach out to the church. Let's turn the lights on in this place and, you know, let's do church. Yeah. You know, so uh, we, we don't spend a lot of money on infrastructure. The church gets the opportunity to reach out to its neighbors mm -hmm. and, and to, to, to love, love mm -hmm. and, and, and help people and talk to people. Um, the churches that we are in are realize that it's not their mission field. That's not what it's about. It's about the church itself practicing and uh, loving, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, those are the ones that thrive and those are the ones that are able to make amazing things. Like we, 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 we do in, the, as you will know, in, in 920 Olat, you know, we, we have about 30 people to come down every day and have lunch. We've put a sign up saying, hey, does anyone want to do an alpha? And we get 30, 35 people sign up yeah. for an alpha course. Yeah. And in most alpha courses, you'd have 35 people sign up and 17 graduate. We have 30 people graduate. Right. <laughs> and then they say, well, well, what can we do next? Well, we'll do a Bible study on Thursday night. 30 people sign up for the Bible study. Yeah. Those are the, the, the things that come out of it because of the way we approach yeah. people learning about I like, faith. I, I think, like the way you described it as pastoring churches. Mm. Uh, most people think of a pastor as the, the, the person that the church hires to take care of the parishioners. Mm. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, 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 a closed set. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you're, our, you're our, our chaplain, you're our shepherd, and, and you just take care of us. Yeah, you're going to marry but, us and bury us. Right, right. <laughs> but, but what you're describing is a church that pastors its community. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, what, what a powerful idea that, that, that the church can practice pastoral care. Yeah, every church will have a, a pastor or pastors from a ordination professional perspective right. but but really what we're talking about here is the people of God um, everyone picking up their part of that vision right. and being in the community and, and making a difference um, I just just I just want to yeah. just remember you know the last sermon at St. Andrews when we started there and Ron uh, Reverend Ron said to me he said Roger will you make sure you come to the service you know I said, sure, I went, you know, it's last service, I'm going to go. Um, and uh, so he, he spoke very highly of feeding Windsor, but his sermon was on breaking camp. Mm -hmm. And it was when God spoke to Moses and said, you know, you've been very comfortable here for a long time, but it's time to get and up and move, move. Get up and move, yeah. And uh, people thought, and everyone thought that that was a message to the congregation because they all were have to go and either join another church or they were going to go to the church that was merging or, mm -hmm. you know, it was going to be time to move. You've had a good here for 125 years, but now it's time to move. Yeah. And oddly enough, it, it, it found out later, it was for feeding Windsor because we moved and thrived. Because the move, I, I, I was there, I went there and I just started doing a meal. I was doing three meals and I, the first year we fed 12,000 meals on a $12,000 mm -hmm. budget, and I, mm -hmm. I was pretty happy with this. Well, then we moved. Uh, we, we went shortly uh, to the AIDS Committee kitchen and then over over to here, mm -hmm. and that's when we, we thrived. We doubled, mm -hmm. and we doubled the next year, and we doubled yeah. the next year because we moved. We, we didn't get comfortable. We said, okay, we're doing this. What can we do next? Yeah. 
And uh, I don't think we've hit the ceiling yet, no, Roger. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, what do you think that, I mean, it's, it's always easy for us to, if you're in the, in the world, to have an opinion of what the church is. And if you're in the church, to have an opinion of what the world is. Right. Um, where do you think that uh, we get it wrong? Where does the church get it wrong in its view of the world, from your perspective? Faith isn't the answer for all things. Mm-hmm. Um, faith alone, without action, is not the answer to all things. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think there's a, a disparity there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a needle in my arm, I'm in an alley. Mm-hmm. I can't pray this away. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, it causes a separation because then a lot of people that are offside just see the church as a place of judgment. Mm. You know? Right. I, I don't need you to tell me I'm offside. I already know I'm offside. Right. So when I come, it just becomes a burden on me, right? Or it, so I, I, I see that. That's a feedback you get. And, and a lot of people see the church of old right. where people feared God, yeah. you know, and, and everything was, you know, black and white. Yeah. So I, 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 it's a two-way street, you know. I, yeah. I, I you know... The, the church of, that you went to with your mom or your grandparents isn't necessarily the church of today. The church out of necessity has mm-hmm. changed too, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise they'd be empty. Right. So they, you know, they, they've changed and they, they see their role, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in the work that they do in a community more than just the word of God, yeah. you know. So, yeah. you know, there, there's, a, there's a real learning curve, I think, from both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of amazing things done from you know in my time in the churches with with people on the outside. Yeah. And uh I've seen some huge growth but you know you can't underestimate we're all animals at uh, yeah. you know we we're spirit and we're animal, yeah. right? And uh the mind is hard programmed into certain reactions and certain things like so you know like I always say you know if you think you're going to win somebody over uh to Christ at a meal you're you're just naive mm-hmm. because we're hardwired. Not you know your 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 um, relationship with your faith is going to be the most intimate relationship you have in your life, and you're hardwired not to make those kind of decisions when you're in crisis. Yeah. So if you see someone in crisis and you think you're going to win them over, you know. Yeah. You're you're really making a fool of yourself. Yeah. You I know? think as as the church we have a message. It's given to us to to share. Uh, but we also have to remember that Jesus said, when he gave the message, he said, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah. In other words, not everybody can hear it. Yeah. Uh, they're not out of place it. or where they're ready to hear it. Right. You know, but that the, the beautiful thing about love is love essentially says, well, I don't care if you're listening or not. I love you. Right. Yeah. And and I'm 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 here to invest in your life in some way. I'm I'm here to demonstrate that I love you. Yeah. And uh, so loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. Yeah. And and with the demographic, the marginalized, the stigmatized people that we deal with in a long time, you know, they 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 don't love themselves. Yeah. So you know they're they're suspicious of that. 
you know, yeah. sometimes. And, you know, that's all you can do is just keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully someday that person says, you know what? I want a piece of that piece that that person has. Yeah. I'm ready today. And, you know, you yeah. got to get be, if you're there consistently, you'll be there at that time when someone's sick of being sick and tired of being tired, you know? Yeah, yeah. A ministry of being present in people's lives mm-hmm. in a in a meaningful way and in a humble way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's nothing um, uh, arrogant and proud about, uh, you know, frying up some eggs for somebody. No. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, but what a, what an opportunity when we discover the, uh, just the, it's not us and them, it's just us. Yeah. And we, we, people need to know they matter, mm-hmm. you know, and that you, they're important enough for you to do this today for me, even though I don't know you and, you know, yeah. you, I, you, you're not, you know, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. You know, and that's it. I mean, we just, that's why I say when people spend time together, they find their hopes and their dreams and what they want is very similar. Yeah. You know, I used to, you know, see at the mission sometimes where we'd roll up the, the doors to serve the meal and people would just stand there in this community and just break down and cry because they had no idea that there's going to be 250 people or 225 people sitting out there. Right. Then they'd say, oh, that guy I went to school with, he had a full ride scholarship. You know, yeah. oh, that guy there, you, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, all the statistics that you hear, you know, the one yeah. out of seven, you know, people live in poverty, the, uh, uh, two out of three kids in the West End live in poverty. All those statistics now have a face, Yeah. you know, and, and that changes yeah. things. One of the programs that you ran prior to um, our working together mm-hmm. uh, that you've talked about reinstating is uh, the culinary training program. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was uh, something that you did back when you were at the mission. Yeah. And uh, so talk about the, that program. As we blow out the walls here uh, of the kitchen, we plan on making about four or five workstations so we can start doing the culinary training program. And two things, that's going to give us the hands to help make the volume of food we need as we mm-hmm. expand. Uh, what is the volume right now? Oh, we serve almost 100,000 meals a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Four years ago, it was 12,000 12, meals. And that's not even counting the meals at the diner. That's the meals that we basically, you know, giveaway meals. Yeah. And, you know, we do another 75, 80,000 meals at the diner. Feedingwindsor.ca. So. <laughs> Hit the donate button, please. Thank you. <laughs> they, uh, it, um, the, the culinary training program actually uh, is, thank, thank God to my fiance because uh, uh, she volunteered at the downtown mission at the time. And one day I said to her, I said, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to quit. I had been there for maybe three, four months, and I says, I just can't come in here and make meals and come back the next day and make meals for the same people again and come back the next, that's not going to be my career, mm-hmm. you know. And she says, well, you can either walk out the door, which I'm sure lots of people do, or you can do something that's going to change change it. So um, we, we came up with the culinary training program, and while we're making those meals, we can provide people with barriers to employment, entry-level skills to get into the commercial kitchen and over the two years that I was there we put uh, 104 people through the program and over 50 percent of them went to work wow and about uh I think eight or nine of them were lifers wow so uh yeah lifers like yeah. they had life sentences yeah they yeah. were coming out of the, through the halfway house no, through yeah. parole that's right into the community yeah no yeah. so now you got not only a big barrier to employment you got a 20-year gap in your employment history yeah so uh but 
And, 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 and I'll tell you, that's something that I was really conflicted with because, you know, my, I, I have my own opinions about, you know, what's, what's the right penalty for someone who takes someone's life, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you live in a society that says this is the penalty for this crime, someone actually goes serves that penalty, you need, your beef is not with that person. Your beef is with your MP or your, the judge, not, mm-hmm. not me. If, if your society says <clears throat> this is the rules and someone plays by the rules, then you got to let them come back into the society and have hopes and have dreams and be a neighbor and a father and love and be loved, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so we actually really tried to get the uh, people, you know, from St. Leonard's House and places like that where they, they mm-hmm. could uh, take part, and we, we were very successful in, in those, uh, those roles. 50% of yeah. the graduates entered and stayed in the uh, workforce. 104 people we put through, about 97% graduated, and 50% of the whole thing went to work. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we even got a couple of scholarships from St. Clair College for a couple of the... For the, for the food program there. Yeah, for people that were good in the Amazing. food. Amazing. Yeah. So, Roger, um, if people... It, if you had 10 times the people, 10 times the resource to work with, 10 times the opportunity, um, what would that look like? And I mean, besides you going to an early grave because <laughs> you, no, if, 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 you had, if you had 10 times the assistance, so yeah. you didn't have to do it all yeah. yourself, what would it... 10 times vision look like? Well, last year we used 50, uh, 15,000 volunteer hours. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> just, just imagine 150,000 150, volunteer hours. hours we could, do it. We could Yeah. We well, could you, do you, know, you know what? I, I would be into every low income area. And we are across, we, we, we're now in about 10 different locations across a corridor in this city where the highest density of uh, Poverty exists. Mm-hmm. Windsor is kind of unique, and in, 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 it has a, a, a problem that very few cities have, and that's their uh, services for people who live in poverty and everything, and, and the housing for people who live in poverty. The, the vast majority of it is in a corridor from the river up, mm-hmm. you know, 10 blocks and across the whole city from Lozon Road to the other mm-hmm. side of, you know, Brock. Yeah. Yeah. So our our services, uh, you know, in fact, just recently in the map, we put an office, uh, in the office, we put a map up and started putting all these pins in because I wanted to see where we service and where we don't service. Mm-hmm. And then I stood there and I realized that right across that banner, we, we've got about 10, 10 locations and many of them have multi-programs running in those locations. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's terrible that a, a senior in this country can... Uh, Go at go to work at maybe a non-union job and mm-hmm. and raise his family and be a good neighbor and walk the dog with his wife after after supper and then retire into poverty. So I yeah. mean, every senior home would have uh, not an issue with food security. Um, low-income housing wouldn't have an issue of you know yeah. uh, food security. Children wouldn't go to school hungry in this country mm. like like they do. Um, and more importantly than anything, we, we deliver services at very low barrier, right where you are. You know, if, if you say you have low income, okay, you're low income. If you tricked me, oh well. Yeah. You know, and we provide services. Because we want people to have, you know, you, you said something 
uh, when I sent you photos about what the Christmas party we did at the diner. You know, my um, staff put on a, totally just asked me, can we use the room? They arranged the Santa Claus, they arranged music, they had a different pizza company bring pizzas in, and, and the kids had a great time, three hours, they all got gifts, they all ate as much as they could, they were laughing and dancing around, and when I sent you the photos, you said those children don't even realize they're homeless. Yeah. And I think that's what should happen. I don't think kids should realize they're different. Right. You know, right. so that's probably what I would do with Roger, uh, I, I thank God for you and uh, for the very special way that uh, he's been using you in your life. And uh, I, uh, I think that uh, what, what he's doing in, in your life is very replicable. Uh, people of vision, the community, the church, uh, there's so much that can be done and, and you don't need giant infrastructures to do it, you need a willingness to go and do something. Yeah, no, really, all, yeah. all the amazing things that can get done or, or have been done in the world have been done by very average people. Yeah. So oh. people can find you on Facebook and at feedingwindsor.ca. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and mostly here. <laughs> and, and yeah, you can always find here at New Song Church. That's yeah. right. So Yeah. Uh, Roger, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your heart. And uh, it, it means a lot. And, and I'm glad that your story is getting told. Uh -huh. Thank I you. I appreciate that. Family. Thank yeah. you. Well, there you have it. My interview with Roger Fordham of Feeding Windsor. You can learn more about that ministry at feedingwindsor.ca. So I wonder, what can be accomplished by average people willing to meet a need? Who else in Canada might be working in sales or running a blues bar and heading toward a life of hospitality in Jesus' name? If you enjoyed Sidewalk Skyline and you want to hear more of what's happening in Canadian cities, subscribe to Sidewalk Skyline on iTunes, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Did you know that some people prefer to watch podcasts online while others prefer to listen when they're driving, walking, or working out at the gym? Well, whatever your preferred platform, why don't you go there now and subscribe to Sidewalk Skyline. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating, share any insights, questions, or helpful comments. We're going to talk to people from coast to coast about all things urban. Our next podcast will be a session with Daryl Dash, a church planter in Toronto's Liberty Village. How can a church get established in a neighborhood made up exclusively of high-rise condominiums? That's a question that many people are asking. Where do you start to gain access to people that live such private, individualized lives? Subscribe now so you won't miss the next drop of Sidewalk Skyline. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and anywhere else you might find us. Thanks for listening. Keep one ear to the sky and one ear to the ground. I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline.